1: Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Domo Media. I'm in New York, joined by Chris Yang. And uh, we're going to be talking about the bear. We're going to be talking about my expedition, my culinary expedition safari in Terminal 3 LAX, Delta Lounge. And more pizza. More pizza. And uh, yeah, more pizza. (laughs) (laughs) So I took the red eye last night. Delta has been my airline forever. It's just my, my what I fly religiously. And they redid the Terminal 3 airport. Knowing that I was going to take the red eye, it's a weird thing, right? Like I always get hungry later, but maybe I'm going to sleep. So mm-hmm. I wanted to eat just in case I'm going to sleep. <laughs> so I, I cooked some ribs, uh, pork ribs, and some cabbage for my family. I just did some savory salt, and I did some agave soy sauce with the cabbage. That was it. I had one rib knowing that I had one treat planned for me. And I had never had this before, but I was excited to get Fresh Brothers pizza (laughs) Uh at Terminal 3. There's also a Jersey Mike's. That was tempting, but the line is always too long there. It's always too fucking long. So... This is a long story as to how I got into my predicament upstairs at the lounge. <laughs> I immediately make a beeline for Fresh Brothers Pizza. You thought about this before
0: you're the, you oh, were that you were like, Yeah, I had like, the whole <laughs> plan. I had the whole plan. <laughs> you planned a Fresh Brothers trip. Got it. Okay.
1: Cause I, you know, I, I just thought the prospect of a personal pan pizza just seemed very nice to me. Because <laughs> we've been talking about it so much. And I stand in line and I have a Hamlet-like moment of to be or not to be. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this happens to anybody else. It definitely happened to me last night. And I don't know. It's a mix of maybe me being a cheap Asian person, Mm -hmm. also me being neurotic. And Uh I I decide, okay, I'm not going to get a drink because that would take it over to like 20 bucks. It's $14 for personal pan pizza. It's a flat price. I don't want green peppers on my pizza. Okay. Then why I chose da works, D-A, works. <laughs> More value. More value. Right. I got sausage, pepperoni, mm-hmm. mushrooms, and peppers. I mean, one and might say you got the works. the works. <laughs> why would I get the plain cheese when I can get extra stuff? Yeah, of course. This my is my fee. This is basic economics. Right. Sure, sure. So I choose it, even though I don't want it. <laughs> I get it because of the
0: value. you will endure the green peppers for the legitimately
1: just for the fucking value this is 100% what's going through my mind I pick it up and I'm like oh no I'll just eat this quickly standing up in the corner away from everybody so I can just eat in the corner I'm looking at the corner where I'm going to consume this and I know that I'm going to get thirsty but then I'm going to run upstairs and quench my thirst at, at, at the lounge I had my plan all set and then I pick up the pizza and I get a little bit like almost second i'm like the penultimate person before mm-hmm. the transaction mm-hmm. and i freak out why i'm weighing the pizza like indiana jones
0: uh-huh with the gold the with bag, bag. Uh-huh.
1: and i i said i've held a lot of pizza boxes in my lifetime
0: <laughs> no you did not you had, did you had I've not held, <laughs> seen
1: the pizza in the box I've held, i can't because it was taped it's covid right i've held a lot of pizza in my lifetime i have and i felt this Feels like if I could tear out the pizza box, 1.5 slices, mm. equivalent, <laughs> maybe even less mm-hmm. 1.25 mm-hmm. slices of a normal New York City slice. Right. You think it weighs much
0: less than a personal pan to works.
1: And then I felt, oh, you know what? I am getting fucking ripped off by Fresh <laughs> Brothers Pizza because this is a lie. This $14 is a Ponzi scheme lie that's trying to fuck me out of my hard earned money. Uh, so, <laughs> That's when I'm having this conversation to myself in my head in this James Joyce, like stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I say to myself, no, no, David, you're not going to get this. (laughs) You're going to put it back. You're going to eat upstairs or maybe you're going to get something else. Oh, so I put it back. I walk. You left the line. I left the line. (laughs) I left the line. That's insane, man. And then I walk around the airport, and then I I realize, oh, my flight's going to board in, like, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I sit down, waiting in line to board, and then it gets delayed. My flight's delayed two hours. Oh, my God. So it's okay, because I was crushing Westworld season four. (laughs) Shout out to Lisa Joy and Jonah Nolan. (laughs) They've done a remarkable job, fucking unbelievably good. Uh Uh-huh. If you want a real companion to this, side note, you should read The Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind. and No, The Origin of Consciousness and the Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind by Julian James. We talked about it before. But it's even more, like, topical now Mm -hmm. with this season because it's a reverse. Uh It's a reversal uh of fortune. (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. Anyway. (laughs) So now I was like, okay, I'll just eat whatever's on the plane. And I'm even debating that. Do I take off my mask? Wait, but so you have denied yourself the treat that I'm you I'm look denied, forward to. I'm denying. i myself, right? And I had this whole moment of like, shit. Like, I just again was thinking about Mike Birbiglia's, uh <laughs> recent stand-up one-man performance where he's talking about how he got diabetes because he ha- he loves pizza and mm-hmm. he wanted just one slice of pizza. It gives him as much joy as eating a whole slice, a whole large pizza by himself. I was mm-hmm. like having this moment, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, I don't need that. I don't. I don't need <laughs> it. I felt bad. I felt bad. So then I, I I go back and I'm like, shit. Like I'm now hungry now, mm-hmm. and now I really made a bad decision because everything's closed. My only two options now are fresh. Uh, Jersey Mike's is now breaking down the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Is the shit food at Starbucks? Mm-hmm. And no, I'm not going to get a sous vide egg bite. <laughs> For fuck's sake, people. <laughs> sure. The only people that want to eat that or our discord community <laughs> the pro reverse fucking and you don't want to be like one of them no.
0: and you and to remind everybody you only had one rib at home in preparation like for this. chris rock and
1: i'm gonna get you sucker <laughs> one rib one fucking rib just to taste if i did it right so i decide to go back to fresh brothers pizza <laughs> with your tail between your legs fuck guess dude. what happens
0: do it again? <laughs> no, you did not. Did you it picked again. it up. I picked it up, and you put it back
1: down. I put it. I put it back on the hot plate.
0: <laughs> oh, you maniac!
1: I put it back down on the hot plate.
0: <laughs> you maniac!
1: And then I stood in that area like I was pretending like I was waiting for somebody because people that were eating they're like, "What the fuck is wrong with this person?" <laughs> <laughs> people are like, "Didn't this guy come in here and pick up this pizza earlier?" And it's not like I'm you know I'm wearing a mask, a hat. Doesn't matter if they recognize me or not. Like this guy's. Strange. Well,
0: now they recognize you as the crazy person.
1: I again. The mm-hmm. closest I can get to anybody understanding is very similar to Mel Gibson's rendition of Hamlet.
0: <laughs> you did it
1: again. Yeah,
0: I've done it once. I've definitely like. I mean, I wonder if other. Do you think other people? Because like what you described. But here's the craziest
1: thing. After I put it down, I walked away. I wanted to go back. <laughs> yeah, of course you did. Of course you did. But I but mean, it like, closed by then. So I was <laughs> stuck. I was stuck. I fucked myself. (laughs) By the time I came back, the plane was still not there because there was a mechanical issue. Nobody's fault. I was. And it's not like I didn't want to eat a Delta. Mm -hmm. I just wanted fucking pizza. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know they don't have pizza upstairs. Mm -hmm. So I fucked myself. Now everything's closed. Even sous vide eggs from fucking Starbucks is closed. (laughs) So I go upstairs and now I'm like, fuck, I really, I really, this is a real metaphor for my life. I fucked it up. (laughs) I fucked it up so bad. All I wanted was a pizza. But something something you look- fortuitous happens to me because Delta is really – it's it's amazing what's happened in terms of their food spreads in airports across mm-hmm. and their lounges. I have a lot of miles at <laughs> Delta. So I walk in. The first steam table is a – I can't remember the Italian name for the twirly elbow pasta shape. Oh, like the uh, – uh, Cascarelli or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a kind of toppy or something, yes, yeah, yeah, with yeah. a vegan tomato sauce. The next one was broccoli steamed with lemon thyme vinaigrette. I was like, okay, and then you had the massive airport mm-hmm. cheese meat spread. Sure, you had some prosciutto, you had some mortadella, you had some pepperoni, you Damn. had some copa. You had, I don't know what kind of cheese is there, but it was a white, an orange. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just give me a little of the a white, little, a little It of looks orange. Farm.
1: but all the cheese that are going to be good. Sure. Right. And they had one that looked like they had herbs in it and some grapes. And then next to this was something I'd never seen before. Oh, my God. Real upgrade. They had four fucking freshly baked desserts. Uh huh. Okay. They had a donut. Mm hmm. They had a legitimate, beautiful individual pineapple upside down cakes. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Then they had like this apple turnover crostata type thing. Uh huh. I did have one of those. Though you know why I didn't get the pineapple one? Why? Because by the time I came back, because I told myself I was going to eat better, it mm-hmm. was gone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: think was so as I don't think of you as an indecisive person, but
1: you are being racked by indecision I know. I know. on this evening. And they had a macadamia nut cookie. I've had that before. Delicious. And then they have the toaster oven, the 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 the, 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 the conveyor belt tank style toaster oven. Can, Wait, clearly upgraded model because it was a black version. It was all matte black. Uh-huh. Look, fucking sick. It looked like the Jawa. And they have thing. all of these drinks. Um, great drink selection. I wasn't drinking booze, but I had some pink lemonade, <laughs> Minute Maid pink lemonade. Mm-hmm. So good. While I was waiting, they had chicken marsala mm. and they had meatballs. Can I ask you before you continue are we headed
0: in the direction that I think we're headed? Did you make something? Oh yes.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So I didn't take photos. I did not take any photos yesterday. But if LAX terminal security would be so kind <laughs> as to send me footage of this indecisive fucking lunatic wandering out fresh Fresh I Brothers Pizza so or going fun. upstairs to the Delta Lounge and like creating a game plan of how I was going to attack this. Mm-hmm. Because I did. And let me tell you what I did. <laughs>
0: I, I I imagine your pizza craving was still there. Yes, it was. Okay. And I was so lucky because there was t- red sauce everywhere. <laughs> I started, oh, my God. It's like watching The Sixth Sense.
1: <laughs> so they have three different types of plates that I n- I've never seen before. So they have one that's a bowl. Mm-hmm. These are all like biodegradable bowls, like a deep well bowl. They have one mm-hmm. like bigger plate that looks like the shape of an egg, but it's flat. And they have another mm. small version of that. I got one of each. Yes. Okay. Okay. In the bowl, I got the, I made my own little uh, pasta salad, okay. with the mixing of the, the, the the pasta with the broccoli, and they had three different types of hot sauce. I put all that shit together, mixed that in with some parmesan. It was, it was gonna be, it was well, gonna be
0: great. Buon appetito. Buon appetito. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is this is the master stroke move. Mm-hmm. I took four of these fucking sandwiches. They're. they're the, oh, the, I forgot. They had sandwiches. Two types of sandwiches mm-hmm. next to the meat cheese spread. Uh-huh. One was on a round focaccia bun. Mm-hmm. And that had the tomato, hothouse tomato, mozzarella. Aruni. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Next to it was the, uh, the ma- mayonnaise packets. And I, 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 I just think they should put the mayonnaise on the fucking sandwiches. Agree. All right? Because I always forget. Mm-hmm. And then you bite into it and you're like, fuck, it needs mayo. Mm-hmm. Then they had a turkey ham with lettuce and cheese. Okay, okay. No tomato. Same bread? No, different shape. It's a little bit more of like a traditional focaccia. Okay. So I took four of those. And then on the small plate, I took one chunk of chicken marsala just to taste to see if I wanted it. But I knew that my <laughs> eyes were on the meatballs. Yeah. And I took the smaller plate, which fit about nine meatballs. The meatballs were like half a golf ball size, you know? Yeah. Okay. Puppatini. Pulpatini, right? <laughs> a little bit bigger. I don't want to like, exaggerate here. A little bit bigger than a pulpitini. Not, not like a golf ball, like a ping pong ball. Okay, 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 okay. So now I look like a fucking crazy person. I have a pink lemonade in my hand. Mm-hmm. I got, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I take about a minute trying to put it all. Uh-huh. I have four different things. I uh-huh. got the pasta bowl. I got my sandwiches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have the meatballs. Okay. And I'm trying to carry it all to the back corner. Like I'm going <laughs> Right. In the
0: very, very back. Back to your cave. Yeah. Like a hibernating and bear. And this is
1: what I learned. There are seats when you enter an airline lounge that are literally right as you enter. Okay. That's where I was. <laughs>
0: That's not the way you want to be. No, because nobody can see you. (laughs) Oh, okay. It's like, it's hidden. Yeah. Oh, everyone wants to get into the lounge, see what they're doing, and then find a seat. I'm trying to
1: hide my fucking eating. I got you. I got you. But I realized it was too far away. I put my luggage there, but it was too far away for me to carry everything. So I had to make a game time decision and abort that plan. And I saw this oasis of a row of tables that no one was sitting. Mm Mm-hmm. So I decided to do it two by two, and by the time I got back, <laughs> it was full of people, like Noah's Ark. <laughs> and and now, now, I'm like trying to like hide everything, hunched over. Uh-huh. And there's person to my left and person to my right, and I see them on their phones and they're looking at me. They're like, "What's this guy fucking doing?" <laughs> so I proceed to take the toothpicks out of the sandwiches and eat animal style deli wraps. Okay, 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 okay. (laughs) Because I I don't want to throw that away, right? Right. And they're they're not huge sandwiches. It's like the equivalent of like one sandwich, basically.
0: But you're eating the contents of the sandwich.
1: Right, but I I put it down, and then I had a eureka moment. I was like, you know what I should be fucking doing? Now that I have the bread out there without the fucking lettuce and tomatoes, I go back to the cheese board, Mm -hmm. and I put the white cheese in it. (laughs) Classic white, right? Got it. And then I put the toaster setting... On as high as possible. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I put those fuckers through together. (laughs) To make? To melt it just enough Uh that they're going to stick together. A couple of them fell off and I got some cheese stuck in the back. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to the staff of the Delta Lounge if you're listening. That cheese in the back comes from Dave Chegg. So I now have semi-melted cheese. Uh Not really melted, but again... The state of sublimation in between. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh
0: my god. Again. In
1: between melted and not really melted. Sure. Barely warm through. Okay. Right. And I then assemble this plate, mm-hmm. and I layer sheet out my 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 bottom half of the bread, and then I take my meatballs and I squish them in. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> and I top it with some pepperoni, mm-hmm. and then I put that fucking top on. Yeah. And I eat that thing and it was delicious. Mm -hmm. And everybody started to look at me. Mm -hmm. And I said,
0: (laughs) You created the works in the works. (laughs) You reverse engineered the works. So you got, did you, did it satisfy your pizza craving?
1: No. (laughs) You know what I ate today when I I landed in New York? Pizza right down the street, two slices. And guess what? My fucking judgment was right. (laughs) In a New York City style slice, the, Personal pan pizza at LAX is 1.25 <laughs> slices. It's a fucking lie. Would you pay $14 for 1.25 slices of pizza? No, no. No. No.
0: And you couldn't swap that into the statue on the pedestal to bypass the
1: booby trap. Got no, it. So so that's that was my story. That's what I did. <laughs> and, and, and that legitimately happened not more than 12 hours ago.
0: <laughs> when you're let me ask you this backing up to like when you were talking about like Jersey Mike's versus fresh brothers. Do you give any value when you see like flight attendants or pilots standing
1: a certain line? Well, I saw a bunch of flight attendants eating their fucking fresh brothers. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I was trying to ease in on the conversation a little bit because it seemed like a good one, you know?
0: Right. I mean, even if they don't, even if it was not the best restaurant, I'll be honest too.
1: Listen, I gotta be honest. There was one Asian dude mm-hmm. eating Fresh Brothers pizza. It's a good sign to me. I know.
0: I know. People always think, like, oh, it's a good sign to see Asian people outside a Chinese restaurant. It's just a good
1: sign to see I'm Asian people eating her, anywhere. I'm, I'm, listen, <laughs> if I'm gonna trust anybody, you know I'm gonna trust the fucking pilots. Yeah. They live in airports. They know where the fucking delicious is at. Fresh Bros is where it's at, but they fucking rip you off on of the pricing. $14 for what feels yeah, like 1.2. <laughs> let me add to the, the complexity of my judging of this. This, this is actually uh, the subtitle really should be game theory of pizza purchasing at airport terminals. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. So sublimation, a lesson in game theory. Got it. This is where it really made it difficult mm-hmm. because once I knew that it was 1.25 slices of real pizza. Mm-hmm. I should maybe get two personal pan pizzas. (laughs) That was where your head first went. But I was in line long enough to see that there was not one person that bought two personal pan pizzas for themselves. Right. If there were multiple purchases, it was because there were three people in line as a family or four people in line. And each one got their own. This I couldn't be the fucking interesting bastard that got two for oneself, and mm-hmm. then you bring it out to the table. Everyone's going to see that you had two fucking. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm, big mm-hmm. boy Asian
0: club. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the same thing when it's the inverse when you go to a restaurant and they're like steak for two, and you're like, well, you just lost yourself a sale there.
1: <laughs> you mean steak for three <laughs> for one? Uh, amazing. So that's 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 my story
0: um could I tell you a quick thing that happened to me I also flew out here to meet you last night and I was in a uh, in line at airport security and I saw the TSA guy looking at my bag and he was kind of quizzical and he was like what is this thing what is this thing and a woman walked by one of his coworkers walked by and she goes that's a fucking microphone this is some podcast shit <laughs> and I looked up at her and I was like she's like then she caught my eye and was like kind of apologetic and I was like no, no, you're right. <laughs>
1: like you, I you, thought, you
0: burned me so I, bad and you got
1: me exactly dead on the I thought the the guy was probably gonna say to his coworker, this fucking guy wears a CPAP machine. <laughs> <laughs> no, also in the
0: also in the back <laughs> he recognized the CPAP machine and he could also look at me and be like, this fucker needs a CPAP. <laughs> Yes. But she had me pegged, man. That's amazing.
1: So the other thing I want to talk about was I went to Yangban Society with our good friend Chris Chen, with uh, some of our other friends that we may or may not do, do some partnerships with. It's a new restaurant, opened up a little less than a year ago in LA. And I think anybody in the LA area should check it out. It's in downtown. Anyone that's visiting LA, they should definitely check it out. But this has less to do about the exact restaurant and more to do about the kinds of restaurants that I like and support and what it caused me to think about. So this is a restaurant started by Katiana and John. I've known them for some time. They first told me this idea that they want to do around nine, over nine years ago. Hmm. When they did the 12 Days in the Meadowood, they were, you know, the the upper echelon of team there. And uh, they moved down to LA, m- maybe right before the pandemic, and the plan to open up this restaurant. This restaurant makes no sense to me at all. <laughs> Uh-huh. I, and that's why I love it so much. Uh-huh. It is the mo- one of the most original restaurants I think I've seen in a very long time. Wow, yeah,
0: it's awesome. <laughs> what doesn't make what? What's the most confusing thing? What doesn't make sense?
1: Well, one is
0: um, we're not confusing. I should say it's like what's what's involved.
1: Well, what, what I like about it is like these guys are extremely talented. Their CVs are as good as anybody, especially in America today. They're Three mission star worthy. If they wanted to do that, they could have done that. Mm-hmm. It's in a, it's in a downtown warehousey type of space tables outside. I'll, I'll get in the food in a second, but the food is fucking extremely delicious and original, everything about it. And when I say original, it's the kind of shit that we need more of. So one is they take a little bit about that Republic sort of Katz's model where you, you order at the counter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think originally they had opened up for lunch. And so it was like, a delicatessen. Mm-hmm. Kat's dad is Jewish, right? So it's a Jewish Korean delicatessen. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm, heaven.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like literally there's like cases of stuff, yeah. like deli cases. Yeah. And, like, they have
1: like a matzo ball soup. Holy shit. Okay. But it's hard to just like to describe the menu, right? But let me just sort of the setup. So you have tables on the upper left side of the building is a convenience store. It's mm. a bodega. It's like an homage to Korean immigrants. Mm-hmm. Like my uncle had. A, we didn't call it a bodega growing up, which mm-hmm. is just a New York City term. But it's a convenience store. Mm-hmm. You see, alcohol, booze, Korean snacks. Very heartwarming. I love to see it. And they're making some of their own alcohol. It's awesome. It's your own little convenience mart. We we had something like that at Peach Mart at Hudson Yards, and I like that because like you get up, mm-hmm. off your ass, and you. You have to interact with mm-hmm. your beverages and your food. It's fun. You get off your ass and you pay there. So it's own thing. And then you can order food at the counter. Mm-hmm. And Kat's a sick pastry chef too. And they have a soft serve machine. And the kitchen is sort of like wow. up top, a little bit like Danielle Skybox. yeah, uh, In New York City, if you guys know what I'm talking about. So it's a it's a super cool space. Can you order – can you like buy drinks and alcohol from the –
0: convenience store and then just come to your table? Is
1: that sort of the you idea? You can do that too. What I like about it is it's very much set up right now and everything's subject to change. You can have whatever experience you mm. sort of want there. Mm-hmm. What I loved about the menu is that if you are a hardcore Korean person, this is probably gonna I'm gonna I know this from experience. Like it's probably gonna be like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. Because you're messing with Korean tradition. Right. And if you're a white person that thinks they know Korean food, and Uh you see this, and you're like, this is a Jewish delicatessen. It's a, don't understand it because I've never seen anything like this before.
0: Mm -hmm. That's
1: Mm -hmm. a fucking unbelievable thing to feel. Mm -hmm. How many times you go to a restaurant, and you're like, I don't know what's happening here. Mm -hmm. I see people eating. I see people ordering. I see people having a good time. (laughs) I don't know what's happening, though. Uh Uh-huh. It almost never fucking happens. And not in a way where it's some bullshit, like the rooms are changing and no, no. you're being moved like a fucking teacup thing at Disneyland <laughs> at your table. This was just, it was raw. It was, it had a pulse. It 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 definitely had early Momofuku Sambar days to me vibe. Mm-hmm. I've also been big fans of these guys' works. Uh, what they've done. The menu is eclectic, but also everything is personal. It's a personal story to them. And they're not boring you with, this is my narrative and this, you know, it's just, it is what it is. It's fucking delicious. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a mixture of everything they can do. Super, super high end to super, super low. It's like, what more do you want? Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of everything. It's like a modern day cheesecake factory, that type of shit, but like not crappy. Not that I don't think chase, but you guys know what I'm talking about, you know?
0: <laughs> does it feel I mean the way you're describing it sounds both magical, but also like in some ways, the way what you're describing could also be heard in a negative sense. Like, does it feel chaotic I, or
1: confusing
0: or I think it
1: could be interpreted that way by critics mm-hmm. that maybe have a hard time. You know how I felt about it? When we were joking about fusion on mm-hmm. a recipe club podcast where people in food media in the 80s and 90s and early aughts, really up until now, Mm -hmm. now they just pretend like they fucking know. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. They would lump anything that was out of their comfort zone into the fusion box. Mm -hmm.
0: Or anything that couldn't be placed neatly into like a Chinese, Korean, whatever, Mexican box.
1: And by just talking about the Korean Jewish and whatever it is, that's the tagline. That's the punchy shit that's gonna get people to be like, "What?" Mm-hmm. And I think it's being done unintentionally. But I think we should be celebrating that it's hard to describe. Mm-hmm. It's hard to put into a box. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, this is where I felt very like akin to it. Is it's just American food?
0: That's American. They're
1: right. Americans, right? Right. <laughs> right. They're doing their interpretation of what it is to be them here in Los Angeles with unbelievable technique and skill. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. And I just, I'm like, listen, I don't read that much shit about it, but I think it's not been spoken about enough. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be a shame if we're not giving this restaurant enough oxygen.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? So, like room to make mistakes, room to be chaotic. This is a kind of
1: restaurant that can mm-hmm. change the game. Mm-hmm. Really genuinely, I think it could change the game. It can also be polarizing, but that's what restaurants should fucking be. Yeah. And I've just seen this in my lifetime too many times where it's very great restaurants. They don't get the oxygen from the media or the people around it. And again, I only was in there once late at night, so I don't know. And But part of it is that feel, right? And I feel very strongly that this was some polish and some of their own sort of discovery this could be one of the most amazing fu- – it's not that it isn't already, but, like, it's fantastic now, but I think that it can reach a level of, like, game-changing restaurant. Mm-hmm. It already is in its sensibility because it, it's fucking impossible to describe. When have you gone to a restaurant where, like, I don't know how to talk about it, but it's awesome. hmm Mm -hmm. I feel this way because that's what early days of Momofuku were like to me. It's like, I don't know what the fuck it is, but, like, it's good, and that's why you got to go there. Yeah. And that's what I want for these guys. What I really wanted to get to, Chris, though, is this, right? And when I ate there, it made me rethink about all the shit that I used to study and read religiously in college and before, and that was – All of the New England transcendental stuff, right? So like this is a through line for me in terms of how I think about things, Mm -hmm. how I think about individuality, how I think about creation, a lot of uh, sort of challenging status quo are like planted in these seeds of things that I read and why I I think what people may be missing is the fact that we should be celebrating the very fact if the food was shitty, which it absolutely isn't. Mm -hmm. We should still be celebrating that these fucking guys Mm -hmm. took a huge fucking swing Mm -hmm. in the opposite direction of what is possible, right? Mm -hmm. What people traditionally do. We don't celebrate that enough. Mm -hmm. And especially now, we need to be celebrating more individuality. We need to be nurturing these new ideas because if we don't, we're just going to become a steakhouse town. And that's actually another topic altogether have we always just been a steakhouse country, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And I actually think we have been and are inclined to always go back to that. When I say steakhouse, yeah, we're steak and potatoes, comfort food kind of thing. Sure. Um, And and this restaurant could very well be that next generation of comfort food. We just have to be open to the idea. And they have a three-year-old son. Mm -hmm. They're waiting tables. They're doing everything. Mm -hmm. Like, I can taste
0: that so what do you when you say okay for let's do some listener service here when you say you should you need to be open to this what does that mean to me as a diner who's like maybe I go to young bond society and i'm like i don't know i don't just, i disagree with chang like what does it mean to be open to this experience it's and like not help open it? it's just
1: like go there if if you don't know what this kind of Korean food is okay it may be genre like that's fucking exciting mm-hmm. I want more restaurants who are like, I don't know what the fuck it is. Right. But it's good. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what we should be after? I don't know what the fuck it is, mm-hmm. but it's extremely delicious. We already have enough restaurants where we know exactly what the fuck it is. Right. You know what? We don't have it all. I don't know exactly what it is. It's new and it's delicious. Mm-hmm. But what you're also saying,
0: I think, David, I think you're right, is like, the the responsibility and like the blame for like a good or bad restaurant culture in a city always falls at the feet of the chefs. But like you know who has the most power to affect that is like the people paying to eat there and the people like criticizing it. Like you guys want a healthier thing, like you got to encourage.
1: Which is change. why I I think the next critics. I mean I think Tadil used to cook professionally and she's fucking extremely good at her job. But like the next generation, I. I I really like not just because Bruni was so good to us. Bruni as a restaurant critic, because he wasn't in the food space. He was he covered U.S. presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've always said, you know what? I think we should have people like Wesley Morris mm-hmm. who understand culture at an extremely deep level mm-hmm. to be a representative of food. Because that's what we need is people to be able to connect the dots. And I'm not trying to say that people aren't doing it. But we need more than That two or three people that are doing it right now at the major publications. Yeah. And it has to be like everything. And that problem is when we start trying to make things that are useful and lists and things that we love and we're going to do more and more of, that starts to like limit the story and the airwaves that all this other stuff that needs more explanation and Mm -hmm. more hand-holding yeah so i don't I don't know but i the reason I also want to bring it up not just because it's in l a and you should visit it there has been probably one hundred percent in your town's history a handful mm-hmm. of these restaurants, so you don't know and I think about w d fifty all the time mm-hmm. I think about seventy one Clinton all the time. Your cities are better because they were there than not. And and the reality is I would imagine like when Katz's Delicatessen first opened up or Russ and Daughter's first opened up or uh, Zabar's, you know, people are like, this is fucking strange. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the fuck this is. Mm -hmm. Imagine the first pizza shop that's decided to sell it as a slice. Mm -hmm. People must have been (laughs) like, what the fuck is this? How strange.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. You have to give those things a chance. Right. And like just and assess them on pure merit. Right. As opposed to like, well, this isn't.
1: If you want, if you really want to see this, you should read the first reviews of quote unquote ethnic restaurants in your local towns. If you want to see right. the framework of like how people think about these things
0: mm-hmm.
1: when you're challenging the status quo and what people think is acceptable, it's all there, guys.
0: Yeah. You know what's wild? You don't have to go that far back. <laughs> like you don't need to go to the library to see this. Like we're talking about 12 years ago, you can see this shit.
1: I, I, without reading every periodical, I'm going to say every single publication that printed words that cover food missed the boat. Yeah. Every single one, for sure. Even the ones where
0: in the most robust, diverse food cities in America
1: missed it. Again, would this happen in the Democratic People's Republic <laughs> of Chang? I don't think so. <laughs> because there would be no, no newspapers, <laughs> no form of journalism. Everything's oral tradition.
0: <laughs> Welcome back to Campfire News. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. Car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com.
1: I did say I was going to talk about the bear. There's a lot to discuss here. So before I get into it, I'm just going to have some predictions here. You are going to, and I'm already getting inbounds. I know you are too, about scripted, more scripted culinary TV shows. We're going to see a whole deluge of shitty fucking scripted TV shows. Right. Some of them might be ours. (laughs) It's the new police procedural. Yes. Right. The new law, the new crime law (laughs) thing. You know, you're going to see a lot. And you know why I know this? You say, oh, no. Everything into entertainment has been, like, done in Korea. Right. For the past, like, 20 years, I think there's probably been at least a dozen Mm -hmm. different kind of cooking drama series. Mm -hmm. At least a dozen. And we're not even talking about the anime shit. Mm -hmm. There is a voracious appetite for that kind of media content that's going to continue Mm -hmm. to be made. The bear and how they did it. I've only watched one episode. I don't know if I'll be able to binge it because it was a lot to process one episode, but it was extremely well done. Is it, and this is not a knock I don't want people to think, oh, this is a restaurant. This is exactly what happens in a restaurant. You can't because it's a 30 minute show. The narrative of a Hollywood script just, you can't. Sure. You, you need to add certain things. And honestly, I think everything they've added when I do watch it, I don't think anything's going to change. It's going to be extremely well done. The casting is fucking unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I would say that from what I watched, I only watched the first episode once, my initial reaction was, this is the most accurate depiction of working in a restaurant.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, Period. Not working, but what it feels like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There are things, you know, I, I'm not trying to nitpick, but like a restaurant that size probably wouldn't have like seven cooks, probably be like three, like, but that's fine. It's sure. just like. The fact that it's a, it's just a great show, but it captures the feeling of what it's like to work in a kitchen.
0: Do you have like a cool. specific example of its accuracy?
1: Yeah. And I haven't really read anything about the bear other than I know that people are loving it. And uh, I think one of the reasons why it's so good is Chris Storer is the brother to Courtney Storer who's been on our Hulu show. She made uh, Italian Beef pizza, the chicago influence pizza, was fucking delicious, was the opening chef for John and Vinny's. Fantastic, fantastic chef. Matty Matheson from Toronto, I met him a long time ago. He is um, he's a great cook, great personality, and I don't know what's up with all these chefs becoming good actors. <laughs> Eddie Huang's a good actor. I know, Great man. director. Uh, Matty Matheson, d- producer and a fucking amazing actor yeah like I was like, I think this guy's going to win he's, he's going to get nominated for some fucking awards. It said Kwame's like, out there doing stand-up. Yeah. he's doing acting. It's crazy. So I mean, it's just perfect casting, and that lends credibility to this sort of um the storyline. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that like to me, the one thing I'll just focus on is I've never seen any TV show or movie capture the perception of time. hmm. As well as the Bears' first episode, mm-hmm. have I opened a restaurant that serves Italian beef? I don't even know what Italian beef was until you know thirty-six <laughs> months ago. So no, the answer is no. I have no idea. Right. Um, I've been to Chicago, but I don't know what it's like to work there. I don't know anything about it. But I, it was emotional for me to watch because I immediately got drawn in in terms of, into the main protagonist, Carmi, the chef. Is is what he was feeling, mm-hmm. and a lot of it probably wasn't even discussed and i think he he would just look at the clock in the kitchen i think there's only probably four shots of it but it was enough for me and the acting was good enough to be like i know what's happening i know exactly what it is and i'm getting shortness of breath just thinking about it Mm
0: -hmm. your hands are still moving and your eyes are looking up the clock right like that's the that's the feel
1: it's a it's just a crazy thing What happens with time in a restaurant?
0: Yeah. Say more about that. Like, in general, what do you mean? Like, how time moves in a restaurant? People
1: don't realize that there's like three things really in a kitchen that happens. One is who's the funniest motherfucker? Two, who's making the best fucking food? Mm -hmm. Three, who's winning the battle against time? Uh Uh-huh. Right? It's a constant war. It's an eternal war against time. Mm-hmm. In every fucking kitchen. It's not even spoken about that much. And the repercussions of the cooking profession so long, it's not pathologically ingrained in who I am. Just ask Grace at home. Everything has to be, I got cooked in 15 minutes, 10 minutes. What time is it? I can't stop. As much as I want to deprogram and slow, anything that has to do with food, I need to know the average mean time. I need to have an idea of what was the, the highest and the lowest I need to know the variables that change everything. I am constantly trying to extract as many seconds and minutes possible so I can take a break, have a breath, eat a family meal, maybe store enough of these minutes because I know that we're going to be in the weeds. And I, it's it's like doling out minutes mm-hmm. that you can save
0: mm-hmm.
1: to get you out of the fucking shits. Right? Okay. So uh. – so like, for example, I'll just run through a quick thing. So you, you, you when you open up a restaurant, like the day of or the morning of race against the clock, when you, whoever's opening up, it's a race against the clock when they fucking wake up. Cause that person is probably getting up at five to five 30. If you're a baker, you're getting up two 30, three o'clock. Mm-hmm. Just the reality. You're, it's like, so for somebody that clock is important and you got to get to fucking work early enough. open up the gates, turn on the lights, let the night porter leave. If that restaurant has such a thing, you got to turn on the gas stoves and the restaurants that I've worked in. They're not just open burners. They're French flat tops with concentric circles. And they take about 45 minutes to an hour to get hot. So you can properly cook on them. You need to get the ovens hot. Lighting these things takes fucking time. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a fancy like multini range. The ignition on these fucking things, there's always at least one of these pilots that doesn't fucking turn on. So you got to calculate this thing's going to take 10 minutes. You know everything that's going to happen and you have an idea that you can get it done, but you're also calculating that there's going to be maybe 12 things that I'm not anticipating that are going to put me in the fucking weeds. Mm -hmm. So you want to know everything that you can control time-wise to the second if you can, because you are open to the idea that all of these terrors are going to fucking mm-hmm. happen.
0: So you've got like, this is interesting, right? Cause like basically what you're describing is there's a game clock and in, in the AM prep cooks, the game clock is counting down to when the first shift of cooks and people show up, then you have like 84 shot clocks. Yeah. <laughs> counting down, yeah. Right?
1: But like just that whole process, everyone has their own time frame. but like, again, thinking about it because the beginning of the show is, He's getting shorted on his meat, and I don't want to go too deep into it, even though probably everyone listening to this podcast has watched it. You know what he does? He looks at the clock. He doesn't fucking complain. I can't fucking do this. Closing up shop. <laughs> uh, I got 10 pounds of meat. and I need 100 to get through service today. When, if you're presented with that in any other normal fucking business, yeah. I got to make uh, chairs today. Uh, I only got uh, 10 yards of wood. We'll just do them tomorrow. We'll do them when the wood gets in. Tell the client. Time. We'll, yeah. Time was the determining factor for everything. Mm-hmm. It's like I have, I think it was like six, seven hours. And honestly, if you open up a restaurant, you have, on average, just pure prep time not doing service, 10 to 12 hours mm-hmm. in the day to prep. So he has ample time. And now it's a fight against the clock to find ways to make it fucking happen. And that is just the the the, the unwritten mantra in kitchens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. make it fucking happen
0: mm-hmm.
1: i mean full stop i don't have this make it fucking happen i needed uh, i need 20 pounds of dayboat sea scallops i got frozen fucking new zealand ones. <laughs> i can't use these i don't i'm 25 miles away from the nearest place that might even have it and i got service in 30 minutes
0: mm-hmm.
1: i can get them but it's going to take me two hours to get back and i'm going to be an hour late for service make it fucking happen you know, I don't give a shit. Make it fucking happen. You know why? The customer doesn't give a fuck. Right. The clock stops for no one. They don't care. I don't care that the main character's brother committed suicide. They don't care about these fucking things. They just want what they want. And that's why the clock is so fucking important. And the thing is, when you're prepping, when you are prepping before service, no matter how fast you are or how good you are or how organized your team is, I've never once seen where everybody in the kitchen is done before service begins. Oh yeah. Never. never. It never happens. Cause mm-hmm. there's always something else that can be done. Always. There's always something wrong that happens. That mm-hmm. oven went out. Someone's sick. Someone no call, no shows. You know, it's like the reality is it's like, okay, I have a lunch for 90 people on the books. Usually I could have five people cooking, but today there's only three of us. Mm-hmm. So the garmage person in it, I can show up. So I have to make a makeshift garmage station out of some three hotel pans, put nine, nine pans there, two third pans in there, blah, blah, blah. Salt, ice. And now I can do it. Well, Now I have to expedite. I have to cook my fish, the side garnish. And I got to cook, make all the the garmage stuff. And I have, you're constantly making decisions on the fly. And that's another thing that I don't know gets fleshed out enough besides the time. Because of the time, what happens is, If you're in the business long enough and you are good enough at it, you become a fucking master, like a drunken master at making decisions under duress in impossible situations. And what you're doing is you're constantly prioritizing what needs to get done first. And it's, it's literally just every second. It's like an algorithm in this person's head that's changing and like, okay, now it's optimal for me to do this. Or no, it's changed. You're just okay, I can work on the fish dish now. Are I can put pause. I'm gonna do this. And it's just a war with time. And you are constantly reading the data that's happening and you're making adjustments. And which is one of the reasons why someone like Jose Andres is so effective hmm. at World Central Kitchen. It's not just him, they're all professional fucking chefs. Mm-hmm. The reason why Dan Giusti is so good at fixing school lunches, is, you know why he knows how to fucking prioritize decisions with changing data. Yeah. You know how to make shit happen when no one else can process even like the first second of that data. So again, all, all of that is tied to time and the crunch of time. And the thing about prep time is you think you have enough time, but the weirdest thing happens because you're trying to prep for your station you're trying to make stuff for the restaurant but when you look at the clock all it does is move faster (laughs) right you want it to slow down right you need it to slow down you literally need fucking the world's access to stop Mm -hmm. you need time to stop because i've thought about this many times i legitimately need a magical timeout so i can work for two hours Fix this, this, and this. Put the oven door back on. Run to the green market. Change these carrots out for the Thumbelinas. You know, do all these fucking things. You know, come back and be like, oh, shit. it's All of that done, is done. You could press time in and be like, oh, fuck. I forgot to make famine meal, mm-hmm. even if I had that magical power. <laughs> and then you're like, you're still fucked. And you're like, oh, shit. I got to figure out how to make famine meal for 40 people because I got to feed the servers You don't want your cooks tasting food on an empty stomach because the hunger will make them like fuck up in their tasting ability. So, you know, you got to make something happen. So you walk in the kitchen and you see like, oh, there's three-day-old fried chicken. I'm just making the shit up. I'm going to rip off all the fucking chicken skin. I'm going to chop it up. I'm going to rip off all the fucking meat. I'm going to do that in one fucking minute. You're literally like, I have seven minutes. It's 1023. I got to get family meal at 1030. I have seven minutes to do it. Because if you don't get family on... Lunch service is fucked. Yeah. You have to feed people. You have to get everything done. Everything has to be on time. The trains have to fucking happen on time. <laughs> so I have seven minutes. All right. I'm going to chop this up. I'm going to throw the fucking chicken skin into the fryer. I'm going to pull all the meat. I'm going to put that in a bowl. I'm going to three throw that in the combi oven. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm making chicken salad. I've never made a fried chicken salad, but I guess I'm going to do it now. <laughs> so I take the fucking fryer. I chop that shit up. I, you know, I, pick all the meat. So now two minutes have gone by. Okay. (laughs) Legitimately. And they're like, okay, I need some veg. I'm going to get some celery. I'm going to get some onions. I'm going to take some capers or whatever the fuck. I'm going to put it in there. I'm going to chop that up. You do that in one fucking minute. I I can do a nice cut of carrots, like mirepoix. I'm going to put that in the fucking chicken salad. And then I realize, oh shit, I need mayonnaise. I'm just going to go on the walk. This is what, like a normal fucking thing that really happens. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank God something's finally going to go my way. At least I know I have mayonnaise in the walk-in. And you walk in there and it's not there. (laughs) Right. Right. You're like, this is the type of shit that happens all the time. The little things. You're like, what the fuck?
0: Right. Because somebody had to use it yesterday for the same exact reason. I never
1: told the fucking sous chef to <laughs> to order again. Yeah. Or like the sous chef that normally does, it's on vacation and things get lost in communication. It's just a, a litany of fucking telephone game-like mistakes that is now going to be all on you. All of those mistakes are now your mistakes because if you fuck this up and the entire restaurant service is fucked up, if you fuck up lunch service, then dinner service is fucked up, then the chef's in a fucking bad mood. So you're yeah. like, shit, I have... Um, I have now three minutes. I have to make mayonnaise. And I also have to get a salad. I have to make a salad. Mm -hmm. I have three minutes. Mm -hmm. This is like so real, me just talking about this. Because this happens all the fucking time. I have to make food for 40 people in seven minutes. (laughs) So now it's like, fuck, I have to make mayo. Oh, shit. Where's the RoboCoup? I see that it's across the station on the pastry station. Because they're making like fucking strawberry preserve or something like that. And they don't want to use the Vitamix because they want it. They want the seeds in there, whatever the fuck. So the, all these things are there. <laughs> so you're there. It's like, oh, shit. Like, I get some grapeseed oil, and I go to get the vinegar, and there's no vinegar.
0: <laughs>
1: so I was like, fuck it. What am I going to do? You look in the low boy in the pastry department that you're in, and you see a big core container of freshly squeezed lime juice. You look. You know. <laughs> you, these are the decisions that you have to make. This is a perfect example of prioritizing. You have to make a decision. Do I get screwed by squeezing my own citrus, mm-hmm. making some kind of fucking emulsion, finding some kind of vinegar or whatever, knowing that every minute that i miss the 10:30 mark, i'm that's like 20x mm-hmm. penalty in mm-hmm. terms of time. It really mm-hmm. is. Or do i draw the ire of the pastry chef by taking half of their fucking fresh squeezed lime juice that they just did and it's perfectly and they strained it, it's fucking beautiful. And I take half of that fucking shit, and I put in the roux, and I make mayonnaise. And you have to make that decision. Mm-hmm. But you also know that by doing that, I'm now I'm putting the pastry sh- department in the shins. It's just a cascading effect of fuck. Right. A cascading
0: effect of fuck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and there you go. I've now made a dish I've never made before. Fried chicken, chicken salad. Yeah. I make a balsamic. Or no, I make a vinaigrette with the rest of the lime juice. I have salad and a chicken salad, and I take some bread from upstairs and... I'm, I'm about seven minutes, a right. seven minute family meal. The and
0: task that, that you forgot, not to mention all the other tasks that you have to do. That's right?
1: including me having <laughs> magical powers to stop time. Does time only move faster in a kitchen? I could talk about all the fucking crazy things that could happen with time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because the one thing that happens when you're working service, time stops. Mm-hmm. It fucking magically stops. It's never once in all of my lifetime been like, whoa. You look, you look at the clock. And you look back down, and you look back up. And you're like, "Oh, it's ten <laughs> Right? No, never. So let me tell you what happens. Restaurant opens dinner at five, five thirty, whatever, and it's a mad dash to get there. Regardless, always one person might be ready, and there might be drinking, you know, leisurely. But everyone else might be in the weeds, getting ready for service. You're constantly getting preparation done for your mise en place. And if one person starts going the weeds and they don't know how to get out. That's when it goes into being in the weeds, into like, I'm in the fucking shits. Mm -hmm. The shits is a cold vortex tail, Like, you just everyone dying. Right. You know? Being in the weeds is one fucking person. Being in the fucking shits is like everybody. And it's usually started because some motherfucker was in the weeds or somebody didn't do their job. Let's just say I look at the books. We have like uh, 200 people in the books tonight. You know, all these things happen. It's like, okay, I'm looking at them and you have to make a decision. It's like, okay, nobody's gonna order the oxtail. We don't even have oxtail. I fuck I'm not gonna tell the chef we don't have oxtail. Right? <laughs> I'm just gonna count on nobody I'm just gonna hope nobody has it. I'm gonna be like, listen, I'm gonna buy drinks for you later tonight if you actually tell all the servers not to fucking push the oxtail. All right. <laughs> just just pray to God nobody's right. ordering it. Yeah. Okay. So you're like, you're calculating all these things time-wise. Regardless, when you are – and then you could feel really good. You have enough mise en place to – you have enough pars in your head for whatever your station is for that evening, that night service. So let's just say service starts at 5.30, Mm -hmm. and it's a big pre-theater rush, and then you feel like you're crushing it. You could just – you feel like, oh, man, everything's going great. Nobody's burning shit. Nothing. Everything's good. Everything's copacetic. Everything's simpatico. And it feels like you just did – 300 people mm-hmm. and you do know that you did like 120 people uh-huh. when because you can look at your parts like holy shit i went through half of my mise en place in the first hour mm-hmm. dude well, well like we we should be i did like 120 i should like half of my mise en place, which should take half of the fucking day of service but you look up at the clock it's 5 45 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right and and that's that's a fear. And when I was looking at that, I mean, the bear and that relationship with the clock, I was feeling all of these fucking moments Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of my war against time. Time is mise en place. People don't think of time as mise en place. Your uniform is your mise en place. Your Mm -hmm. time is your fucking mise en place. You got to get that shit straight.
0: Well, it's so, it's so crazy to hear you like to, because it's broken into so many like distinct units, right? It's like, There's service at 530 and it ends at 11. But then within that, it's like, like you said, how long does this thing take to cook? Oh, and then at at, at any given moment, you're working your grill station. You're like, that's two minutes. That's one minute. That's 90 seconds out. That's 40 seconds out. Some of the expander is calling you like, Chang, how many? How long out on like four steaks? You got to say that thing. Like every single thing has a timer. Every single fucking
1: cook I know has that moment of old school where they go into this fugue-like state (laughs) and they're able to rattle off numbers and times and- trigonometry equations that they have no idea what would happen in their normal life. But in the way that you walk into a store and everything has a price on it,
0: you're looking at, I imagine like you as a chef are looking around and like every single thing has a, like a minute and second. I'm saying it's like that It's the matrix.
1: It's like you're just reading something and you have a, a profici- proficiency in it that no one else really has. But going back to the bear, that's why it was so good to me. Mm-hmm. Everything about the show was very, very good and very entertaining. But the simple fact that they nailed the anxiety of time, the war against time, is what elevated it. I was like, oh, they, they did it mm-hmm. in a way that I can even talk about. And I don't even know if it's going to make sense. But I don't know if anybody that's watching the bear on a, just an amateur level would ever appreciate that clock moment. Because, you know, in that episode, he makes it happen.
0: hmm yeah,
1: at all costs, whatever it happens, and it's also why that time is the best time for creativity. We talked about that as sort of the golden hour. You don't have time to fucking overthink. You don't have time to do anything. You do what is necessary, and that's when the great art happens. It really is.
0: Right. That's when. That's the one. The next day, you're like, you know, what's pretty good? That lime mayonnaise I made was like pretty fucking good. Yeah. You know, and I only did it because I had to all That's right
1: well i'm sure we'll talk more about the bear but i want to end quickly on greek pizza and we we talked quite a bit about it in our discord and if you haven't signed up for discord you can go to majordomedia.com and uh link is there for um our wonderful discord community where i feel like i got in a little bit of an argument with somebody <laughs> i don't know who I, I i don't remember who it was but they were talking shit about greek pizza mm-hmm. and i said what's it like to be wrong Uh What's it like to wake up every day knowing that you're going to be wrong?
0: Explain a Greek pizza to those uh, who are not in the know. What what is this thing? Well, I think
1: it's pretty clear. Greek pizzas came from Greek immigrants (laughs) Uh that open up pizza parlors. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes in the New England, uh, the states of New England. They're more of a pan pizza. They are incredibly oily. (laughs) Like, I don't know what they're putting into it, but it's oily. It's very oily and it's not just the oily from the cheese it's the oil from the crust when you break open the crust and you fold it over grease sometimes comes out of the fucking (laughs) bread. it's like wringing a towel Uh uh-huh that's a good thing yeah (laughs) i mean if i'm eating chili crab you know it's the same shit i it's it's really good when you're high drunk stoned in college in trinity there's campus pizza compost pizza hello campus. See? (laughs) this again everybody knows pizza Uh uh-huh and they don't do it for the smaller pies, but they cut it into squares. I loved it. Is it technically mm. perfect? Do people enjoy it? The answer is yes. If you judge it on the merits of, well, it has to be this, this, and this, and it's not this, then no. But does it taste good? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, it tastes fucking good. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. isn't that what matters? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cheese. It's not like St. Louis pizza. We're not even gonna bring that up ever again, right? That's just crackers. <laughs> That's just crackers. It's matza, matza, matza pizza. Uh, it's uh-huh. just like I like it, but let's not call it pizza. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's cracker crackers.
0: <laughs> it's it's Christinis. Crostini's. Uh-huh.
1: Um so Greek pizza to me is that. It, it's like the best version of it is incredibly greasy, almost too much cheese. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's cut into squares and I love pan pizza, but it's, 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 it's it's like a thinner pan pizza. It's not super doughy. I don't know what's not to like. Am I going to proclaim it's the best pizza in the world?
0: Yes. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say, uh, all right. I mean, you and I encountered this just the other day when we were at, we were at a, a, a restaurant together in LA where it was like, you order. We had maybe the ugliest looking, <laughs> least Neapolitan so pizza on we're, earth.
1: We're, we're, we went to Savoy in the SGV. Uh, our families got dinner together, and Savoy is known for its very affordable food and, arguably, some of the best chicken rice. You know, Hainanese style chicken rice. It's it's a wonderful restaurant with a beautiful menu that is all over the place. A it's little so bit that, like Yangban, right? right? All over the place. You got pastas, you got Chris's favorite, which is the Japanese seafood seafood creamy casserole. You got spring rolls. Curries. You got pizza with dried beef, <laughs> smoked duck, shrimp, you know, not all on one pie, separate. And, and you have um you have curried beef, you have curried beef stew, you have all kinds of stuff, you have salads, you have Filet mignon with black pepper sauce, although I want I don't like filet, but I think that would be good. Because like, you know what? I bet you the black pepper sauce is really fucking good. That's right. And I've never eaten there. Mm-hmm. It's always been takeaway. And one of the things that I've always eaten that's never made at home was a pizza. <laughs> and now that's a proper pan-sized pizza, personal, yeah. right? A Savoy, personal pizza is like 10 and a half inches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least. A airport personal pan pizza is like six, six and a half. It's not even a whole person. No, it's it's literally like a kid size. <laughs> this pizza, this we, we, I'm to talk about the next uh, the next podcast on this topic too. It's a great restaurant. It's pizza that I enjoy intensely, mm-hmm. and it's arguably extremely poorly made. Pizza.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Would you agree? Yes. Yes. I would agree with both of those things. It is unbelievably delicious. It is. <laughs> it is like.
1: I don't know, man. The, the the way it is made is so bonkers. I have no idea how it's leavened dough. I don't know what it, what it is. I don't even know what kind of cheese it is. Right. It could be even Provel, Who gives a shit? Right. All you know is that there's an inch of it on top of the pizza. It's a lot of <laughs> cheese. And it's like a very blonde crust. Almost looks like it's undercooked perpetually. Mm-hmm. But it's cooked. Mm-hmm. It, again, defies thermodynamics. <laughs> like, I don't understand how it got done. It's an unbrownable dough. Yes. And it's so enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Did you eat all that pizza that you took I, home? Yeah, it, <laughs> it's really good cold, it's really good hot. And would I say, hey, this is the best pizza in the world? It's the most perfect pizza? No. Will I say it's probably one of my most enjoyable pizzas? Yes. Can I like these things at the same time as a Bianco pie or something that is a more traditional Neapolitan pie? Yes. A sign of intelligence is holding two opposite things simultaneously. <laughs> uh-huh. That's how I know I'm not stupid. <laughs> not I can like pizza. Savoy pizza as much as I can like the very best perfect pies <laughs> in the world.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is this goes back to what you were saying at the beginning about Young Bounce Society. It really does. It's just like the way forward is to have like an open mind to
1: deliciousness. It works. And people love it. And it's affordable. What's not to like about a restaurant that's a institution for its community Mm -hmm. so anyway give us five stars thanks